Have you written anything lately? Yeah, I guess. Will you play it for me? Uh, you don't want to hear it. It's not very good. No, I'm sure it is. It's just, I wrote it in lockdown and I was listening to a lot of 80s TV themes and the mix is a bit uneven, you know? I don't mind. I'd like to hear it. Yeah, all right. Yay! We won't take you back to movies. We won't take you back to the music you love. We won't take you back to the TV shows. This is soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gents, oh, mate, I, I, I'm not. I'm never going to get sick of hearing that intro. That is a fantastic <laughs> intro. And uh, we, we, did we switch to it for? Um, for sort of reasons to save our butts in terms of uh, getting in trouble from the authorities or uh, was it just purely creative genius? It was just purely just, I think it was purely pandemic is what it was. I think I've just had a bit of time on my hands, <laughs> a bit of lockdown, lockdown blues. Uh, and also it helps us for the, for the legal, legal issues that we're currently facing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Being dragged through the court. Being dragged the through the court system at the moment. It takes a bit of time. Um, so I thought I'd create an original um, soundtrack theme uh, before we then go and uh, break copyright laws and play all the music without permission in our <laughs> podcast. So <laughs> Anyway, exactly. Anyway, so, yeah. It's well, no, it's been some time since we've been together. Might knock uh, about might knock about two or three years off our sentence. Anyway, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's good uh, to be back. It's mate, great to be back. Been a long time. Uh, October. The fans would know. Yeah. Ghostbusters Halloween. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's amazing. happened in between then? Have you had any more kids since? Uh, no stopped, more kids. No more kids. Had uh, didn't no. get a, another kid for Christmas. Um, was asking Santa, but no, nothing. Uh, <laughs> Cabbage Patch doll only, but uh, no, nothing. Nothing's happened really since then. Things have leveled out, hopefully, with the uh, with old COVID. So we're just going to hopefully be yeah. together together more often. And uh, to mark that install, we're we're together forever. And to mark that install, we're um we're recording from our homes two hours apart. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the next one's together. Yes. But I, I hear yes. you've been improving your um your fireplace game or your outdoor fire pit game. Yes, like. yes. I've I've looked into very uh, of lots of yeah, a bit of um different techniques to start a fire. It wasn't wasn't very good, but I've come across the log cabin technique, which some of our fans might mm. know, which is the surefire way to get a good raging fire, which is uh, has really changed my life. Coming into now. winter, good yeah. timing. Yeah, great timing. Great uh, timing. So that's what you've been doing for the last six months. I've that's been working on my on my, my smoking barbecue game as well. So yes. it's not like we've been doing nothing. We have no. been pottering in our backyards and, and fiddling with fire and yes. stuff like that. Yes, and both both related to fire. Both even even, you know, many miles mm. apart, we're still we're still in sync. We just had a, a, a desire connected. to yeah, desire to to hit the fire and the smoke the smoke systems. Maybe we're well, trying to send smoke signals to each other. <laughs> <laughs> should, should we get cracking into into today's um into today's special because yep i we kind of gone a little bit further forward out of the 80s but we sort of mm. haven't because the, <laughs> it's a bit of a, a bit of an interesting one we've cheated again um <laughs> we've cheated so we've gone with the wedding singer which came out in 1998 mm. but is actually set in 1985 so we're kind of you know haven't necessarily leaped out of the eighties um, no. properly, but but um, we've done you know, it. We're sort of half there. Yes. And and nineteen eighty five. Does that ring a bell? 
for you? Oh, nineteen eighty-five. Let me just see if this guy, oh, the viewers can't really see what I'm holding up, but it is a little figurine of Marty McFly that I've got right here. Which, is that what you're <laughs> intimating, yeah. Michael? Uh, yep, yep. And absolutely. So we've already um, found the Back to the Future connection, and there's another one too because. <laughs> In this film, you'll notice the DeLorean makes an appearance. Makes an appearance. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I did see that. I, I love seeing that when I watched it for the first time. When it appears, that's a DeLorean. <laughs> uh, so fun. Yeah. Um, but yes, set in 1998. I'm oh, sorry, set in 1985, made in 1998. Mm. At that time, Adam Sandler had made a handful of movies. He was, I think, his biggest one since then, or um, sorry, until then, was Happy Gilmore. Uh, he'd done. Airheads, he was in Billy Madison, yep. which I think became more popular later after people stumbled on <laughs> Billy Madison after seeing the other one. I think Happy Gilmore was the one that kind of, you know, yes. I think was more of a sort of global popularity yep. Um, yep. With, that, with that one. Uh, Billy Madison's a bit of an acquired taste. Mm. You probably mm. have to have a couple under your belt to enjoy it. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so, you know, after those few films, I kind of expected another, you know, silly, silly comedy like the one he'd done. But it, this was a this was actually a, a really good rom com. It had mm. a good message too. Mm. It was mm. funny, but it was pretty well balanced. And um, I thought it was actually quite good acting from him too. Probably one of his better acting performances that he's done. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, obviously, created a really good duo with Drew Barrymore, which yes. then subsequently gone on to make other movies together as well. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, sort of started that partnership. It was also the first film of his that cracked 100 million in the box office. It was at the time the highest grossing film that he'd made. Wow. Um, it's now not even in the top 15 of his top grossing films because Whoa. Uh, obviously, yeah, and, and you should see the top 15 films. I, there are some absolute howlers in there. Somehow wow. they've made it into, they've made so much more money. Um, but as his sort of name grew, yeah, people went to go and see Adam Sandler movies. But yes. back then, he wasn't he wasn't necessarily as big. Yeah, but now if he releases um, at, anything, at the time, yeah, 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 he, pre- he releases anything. It. I mean, obviously, of late, it's been a little bit mixed. What's yeah. come out on Netflix and stuff, but yeah, up until probably, you know, I'd say two thousand and five, two thousand and six, anything he made from sort of ninety six, two thousand and six, everyone just went out to watch it. Mm. Um, mm. So. You know, very quickly in terms of the, the film itself, um, Adam Sandler um, plays Robbie Hart, yes. who is a, who's a wedding singer. <laughs> um, interestingly, Adam Sandler has actually got experience in this area. He was a wedding singer for his sister's wedding right? and, uh, and sang a couple of songs, one of which was a Beatles song. Oh, what was the, what was the song? Um, oh, I can't remember. I'm gonna. I'll have to dig it up later. But he sung a couple of songs. I think only a couple of songs that he knew all the words to. And his mum got him to sing at the wedding. So he actually had some practical experience for for the role. <laughs> um, he gets left at the altar uh, by Linda. Yes. Who um, doesn't really see a future with a wedding singer mm. and decides to pursue some other opportunities. Yep. Um, but at the same time, bef- befriends um, Julia Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Who is working at the at the um, wedding reception area? Yep, and they start a bit of a friendship that turns mm-hmm. into a bit of a romance. Mm-hmm. Julia's uh, due to marry Glenn Gulia, so she's going to be Julia Gulia. <laughs> um, and uh, and along the way, they sort of 
decide that you know they're kind of right for each other. So it is it's a bit of a romance, but woven through the film mm. is a, a, an awesome soundtrack, mm. um, jam packed full of eighties classics. And just like, you know, we enjoy it as well with these films, the music yeah. plays a real central role to the movie as well. It's not just, you know, there are some tracks they have in the background in certain scenes. Yes. But a lot of the songs are also played and they're pivotal in the scene itself. The movie yeah. starts with you spin me right round and it's an hilarious <laughs> montage of dancing at a wedding. You yeah. see all the people that you normally see, the crazy yeah. uncle, the guy that takes his yeah. clothes off. Has his, <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, it's a really good start to the movie. Gets gets you going. From, yeah. from from um, from the beginning. Absolutely. Um, and mate, we what's our history with weddings? We've done some wedding singing ourselves. We've done some. <laughs> we've we've done some MC. We've done some best man speeches. We've done. We, we've pretty much played every role in a wedding that you can imagine, except for the bride. Well, I mean, you were close. <laughs> you were pretty. You were pretty close at my wedding. <laughs> I almost intercepted that wedding. Yeah, my yeah, my 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 current wife, um, hello, Kate, uh, also um, was very very cranky when the final song was you and me serenading each other, looking looking each other dead in the eyes um, to to finish the proceedings. But uh, yes, no, I think we've had a pretty we've had a pretty good history with weddings. A lot of singing, uh, a lot of emceeing. We've had to deal with you've you've also personally had to deal with a crazy uncle um on the dance floor trying to trying to say too much in a speech and try to uh air some of the family's dirty laundry <laughs> uh, which you've had to then uh you know stop him from doing and frisk him on the way up so uh <laughs> i think we've had a pretty uh had a pretty good uh, history of weddings i think that's slowing down now you know getting to our late 30s the wedding scenes kind of pretty much it might kick up again we had one recently second, we had one recently second didn't we? round we had one earlier in the year uh, but he was a younger brother of a of a good friend of ours. Um, but I think the uh, yeah maybe it's the second second marriages that we'll we'll start to look forward to. <laughs> everybody love everybody loves a wedding. They're awesome, um, yeah. except for poor old Robbie Hart who can't stand mm -hmm. the sight of weddings after he gets left at the altar. And there's a, some funny scenes, especially the scene where he starts singing. Um, what is it? Love stinks. Is it love stinks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going around to all the different tables. And, <laughs> um, and that does that song make it onto the soundtrack? Mm. Well, why don't, why don't I kick it off? Why don't I tell you what is on that soundtrack? But let's do it. Let's and we can discuss as we go. We can discuss as we go. Now, um, there were actually two albums that were released. There was The Wedding Singer and then there was The Wedding Singer Volume 2. Um, and oh. so they were both released in 1998. Um, and there were certain there were certainly many songs on the albums that um, that were in the movie and are quite pivotal in the movie. So it's probably fitting that there were two albums. But um, the the first one I think is probably got the more notable tunes. There are a couple on the second album, uh, Volume Two, that I will go through as well that were in the movie. But you know, a mix of background, mix of background songs or songs that um, that you know might have been playing. In, in one scene where someone's singing it, but not necessarily an important part of, of the movie. But as you mm. said, very music driven. And a lot of the time there's wedding singers or people that are actually singing, you know, he's teaching the, um, the older lady piano. She's singing some songs to him while he's playing the piano, giving her less singing lessons. And <laughs> so oh. there's, a, there's a few bits and pieces that, you know, songs are involved in that. Um, so certainly quite. Till I met you. Is that, yeah, is that the song? Uh, I think so. I think so. Yes. 
sound yeah yeah it's a beautiful yeah. song yeah from the rapping granny there's a bit from the rapping granny um all right so track number one was video killed the radio star i heard you on my wireless back in 52 lying awake intent and tuning in on you if i was young it didn't stop you coming through Originally it was performed by the Bugles. Uh, this version was performed by the Presidents of the United States of America, uh, which oh, had, I love that version. Which was a cover, um, and it, they also had hit singles, however, with "Lump" and "Peaches," which we know. Um, and as as we we may know, those those fans that have watched the uh, the film would know that this song is played in the end credits. Uh, so a great way to finish. It was written by the Bugles in 1978, and it was actually the first video to air on MTV. So very fitting. Fitting that they called it that. Absolutely, yes. Um, but it wasn't necessarily about that. It was It was basically a commentary on the intrusion of technology into every aspect of our lives. So that's why the singer um, uh, did a lot of electronic singing because it was that was his commentary that technology is in, intruding. I'm going to use life. that, Dan. I'm going to use that in conversation. So if somebody's... Spending too long on their phone. Mm. I'm going to have to say just that start, line. Video just start the radio singing, start, mate. Just start singing it. Just start singing it to them. Um, now, it was number one in 16 different countries, and it was Australia's best-selling record for 27 years. I couldn't look back. That would, that would put it back in, what, 78? That would put it back in 1951. I couldn't really see what song was in 1951 that was the highest uh, selling record before that, but anyway, it was the first. It was the best-selling record for 27 years in Australia, specifically. Um, do you know what the best-selling single of all time in Australia is? I think it went 20 something times platinum. <laughs> best-selling single in um, history in it's, Australia. And it's still, and yes, it's still the number one ever. Still the number one. Came out in 2015. Went 27, 20 something times platinum. Which is the most 2015? 2015. Is it an Australian artist? No. Oh, okay, no idea. Uptown Funk. Ah, there you okay. go. Um, so that's the best sing- selling single of all time in Australia, 20-something times platinum. Um, well, so I, I don't know if you're going to get to this bit of trivia, but apparently the actual Wedding Singer album, mm. uh, soundtrack uh, album, was number one in Australia. Mm. Did you see that? I didn't actually see that on my travels. No. Yeah, it didn't make it to number one in the US, but it made okay. it to number one in Australia as, a, as an album. So, so we loved it. We loved um, it here. We loved it. It's perfect for our Australian audience. We don't. Our, our main audience, I think, is in the US and Bahrain. Um, but the, 
but um, yes, but that'd be great for the Australian audience because obviously it was a very popular soundtrack here. Um, track number two on the first volume was Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? performed by Culture Club. song you love that one mick don't you yeah i sing that to the wife if she's giving me a hard time <laughs> it, was, it was written in 1982 by frontman boy george who later admitted that he wrote the lyrics about his relationship with their drummer john moss they had had an affair for about six years and it was kept hidden from the public um but george often felt hurt and emotional mm. well you know george has played the character of george which is obviously Yes. Um, in, in reference to Boy George, is played yes. by Alexis Arquette. Yes. Um, and apparently Boy George himself saw the movie and absolutely loved that character. I <laughs> thought it was fantastic. <laughs> of course. That's, <laughs> absolutely. What a great homage. And I love how, I love how um, that character has to keep singing that same song. <laughs> yeah. Give me time. I, I was just about to get into that. Even <laughs> the second time, he's like, just gives them the signal. Keep going, keep going. Go again. <laughs> and then the audience is like, what? <laughs> they start getting really cranky. You suck. Suck. Um, <laughs> now, Boy George didn't want to release this as a single because it was very personal. But when he did decide to release it, it went to number one in 23 countries. So there you go probably a good idea wow um and yes so number three every little thing she does is magic by the police yeah love a bit of sting now this it's quite notable for fe uh, featuring a pianist which is uncommon in police songs it's got quite a lot of piano in it um uh. it was released in 1981 but an acoustic version was written by sting in 1976 prior to the formation of the police uh this song topped the charts in britain and also hit number one in canada ireland and the netherlands number two in australia and number five in norway uh it reached number three in america making it making it and king of pain the band's second best performing single in America after their number one hit, Every Breath You Take. Oh, wow. What a tune. They had a few classics, didn't they? What a tune. Um, now, number four on the volume, on volume one was How Soon Is Now by The Smiths. And I'm going to, if people are listening to us for the first time, where you been? Where the bloody hell are you? 
Um, but, but welcome as well. But welcome, but of course, welcome. Um, and <laughs> if you haven't listened to a soundtrack episode, go back, do yourself a favor, and go to the TV special uh, part one and two, TV theme special. Because part of TV's theme special was How Soon Is Now by The Smiths, which was the theme for Charmed, which we went through on the TV theme specials. I'm not sure which one was part one or two. I didn't actually look into it um, today. Um, but hopefully... Our so you'll have to listen to both. So you're going to have to... I, I couldn't actually pinpoint exactly where it was. So you will have to listen to all three hours of that. Um, and hopefully you'll find the four <laughs> seconds of the song that we're talking about. Um <laughs> So, yes, so, and I, because I remember speaking about this song uh, in that special. So, please, if you're a new listener or if you, or you just want to reminisce, I mean, it has been a while since our last episode. So, if you want to go back and listen to some, some classics, some from the archives, which are now gold plated, 20 something times platinum, um, you can certainly do that and you'll find How Soon Is Now by The Smiths. Track number five was Love My Way, performed by the Psychedelic Furs. Number six, Hold Me Now, performed by the Thompson Twins. One of the greatest 80s songs, isn't it? Just an 80s vibe. So good. An 80s vibe. As I do with these, as part of my research, I love going, jumping onto Spotify and getting the soundtrack playing mm. and just re-listening to these songs again. Um, just keeps going, keeps taking me back to the core uh, objective of this thing, which is get people back into the music and even go back yep. into the movies. Like now I want to go back and I probably haven't watched this movie in 10 years. Yeah. I want to go back and watch it. 80% of that reason is just the music that I'm going to hear. Yeah. So good. Yeah, absolutely. I've watched um, some parts of it recently. Obviously, you know, we're, we're very busy men. We can't watch the whole movie. You would you would, you would, think the people that had a movie soundtrack podcast would at least spend two hours watching <laughs> the film that they're talking about, but we don't. We don't. Um, but I have seen quite a few parts of it uh, recently, and you're right. I do want to sit down and devote the time to, to watch the whole thing. Um, which would be good, and then we can do or at a part the very two. least if you are that busy. Yes, you know, get the get the soundtrack happening in the background while you you know while you're working or just yep. pottering around the house. If yep. we can get you to do that, that's that's still mission complete as far as I'm concerned. Yep, oh, I agree. Uh, number seven was "Every Day I Write the Book," performed by Elvis Costello. Love Elvis Costello. Love Elvis, absolutely the, the best Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down, <laughs> as voted by nobody. Oh, I feel bad there. As uh, voted by no. He's a very good Elvis. He is. He's very good. Just poor. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, shame about the name. What are the chances of both Elvises being good? I mean, if there's a lot of yeah. pressure on the third Elvis that comes through. I don't know any Elvis. I don't know if anyone out there is is named Elvis. I think there was probably a time. In the late 60s, where people just thought, I'm not naming my kid Elvis again, and it just probably has continued, you'd think. 
Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on that on, on that Elvis. Yeah. Um yeah. So maybe it's too much to bear. Too much to bear for any man. Um, okay, number eight, White Wedding, performed by Billy Idol. It's nice It's a nice day for a white wedding. It's a nice day to start again. And of course, Billy Idol makes an appearance in the film at the end. He sure does. Um, We don't want to give away too much, but I guess people are going to listen to this if they haven't seen it. So spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. He turns up on the plane. He's on the plane uh, with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore at the end when Adam um, sings his beautiful romantic song, which we'll get to a little bit later and talk about. Yeah, and Um, and he encourages him to perform it on the plane. Yes. And then um, Glenn Goulia fires up and says something to to him. And this big fella just gets out of his seat. Nobody talks to Billy Idol that way. I know he gets up all he gets up looking like a really scary bike and he's like, no one talks to Billy the Idol that way. He's got like a really <laughs> really high pitched, like whiny kind of voice, but he looks really mean and cranky. Um so this song was written in nineteen eighty two. Um and in this in the song Billy Idol singing about a woman that he loves marrying someone else while he still loves her. Um and it is a very anti-marriage song because of that sentiment. It's quite an anti-marriage song. Uh, yet many people played at their wedding simply because it mentions a wedding. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like those all those Americans um, playing "Born in the USA" and uh, and yeah. what's the other one? The CCR, the, the CCR Fortunate Son, um, thinking that they're they're being all patriotic when they're both. Uh, protest songs so there you go protest white, white, white weddings a good uh, a good wedding protest song so just be careful if you add that to your to your playlist uh for your nuptials in the future um number nine was china girl by david bowie This was originally performed by Iggy Pop, um, who actually wrote the song with David Bowie and did release it, but it didn't have any success until Bowie performed it later, which is no surprise there. We do love do love David Bowie. Mm. Um, and the music video features a New Zealand model, Jiling Ng, who's now Jiling Ching, and it was actually shot in Sydney's Chinatown district. Ah. So there you go. I haven't been to China. We're full of interesting facts on this. We are. Show, aren't we? we really are, and uh, a lot of Australian connections too. Australia's got a big connection to music, so I try and find the Australian connection because we are the only podcast, uh, the only Australian that podcast comes out that, of Australia. That, that, that comes out of <laughs> Australia uh, in this category. Um, so we are breaking records, but yes, I thought that was that was interesting. I've been to Chinatown in a little while, actually. Mick, we used to have some some nice. Nice dumplings out there back in the day. Some fine dining experiences. Fine absolutely. dining experiences, yep. Some karaoke. 
Yeah, we've done a little bit of karaoke circuit in our time. We've travelled through Europe on the karaoke circuit. Was did we get? Was there someone with a gun, or did we get frisked for a gun, or something happened when we were on Elizabeth Street at a karaoke at Greenbox? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that might be something. Anyway, <laughs> something happened. That sounds familiar. Yeah, and I think they were um, getting the pulling the the leftover jugs of of soft drink from the used tables and then pouring them into new jugs to present to new tables. I think was the the standard thing. Don't that was our cue to leave. And, and don't sue me, but that was usually when we were like, okay, it's time to call it a night. Um, all right, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, right, number ten, Blue Monday. Performed by New Order. Now this song, it's a very hopeful song. It's a positive song. They're not sure what it's about, Mick, but it, it, it's it's just a lovely, lovely song. Believed to be either about drug addiction, child abuse, or a failed relationship. <laughs> Right, or a combination of all. Or well, possibly a combination of all three. So quite an upbeat classic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. When is it uh, played in the movie? Do you remember? Uh, I, hold on. I do have a list here that will tell me that. Give me a second. Give me a second. Um, it's played in the club when they go on their double date. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. And it's a bit of a darker club, so it's not exactly like a – it's not yeah. a happy time. Well, yeah, it is. It's, when... a, it's still a bit of an '80s pop. Like it's a, it's an '80s vibe. But um, I think that it was, it just had some, some serious uh, content. <laughs> some serious undertones. <laughs> some undertones that weren't. Yeah, uh, because weren't as wholesome. But a great song. Great song. When, it's when um, I really, I think, is it kind of where Robbie's a bit jealous? Oh no, he finds out that um, Glenn, Glenn's a bit. Glenn of a, is cheating. He's just a bit of a, sm- a schmoozer. He's a bit of a creep. He's creeping on the other yeah. waitress or something and says that he pretty much, that Julie has been so preoccupied with the wedding. And I work in the city, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been a bit of a sleazeball. So a sleazeball. It, is, it is a bit of a darker darker undertone to that scene yes, as well. Yes, so maybe that's why that, that fits nicely. Um, it was actually released as a 12-inch single. 12 inch single hmm. on the 7th of March 1983. No, not quite my birthday, oh, but that's okay. But that's okay. Almost. Yes. Uh, so it was released as a 12 inch single, and it's actually the best selling 12 inch of all time. Wow. There's records happening all over the place here. The best selling 12 inch of all time, which I, before my research, I just assumed was the sweet onion chicken teriyaki on wheat. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> you can't handle the 12 inch. <laughs> but uh, yes, which is another reference to a Sandler movie when he's a, um, a poster boy for Subway. <laughs> Talk about a hole yeah. in one. <laughs> so I'm sure I don't, I don't have the actual trivia on that, but I'm sure mm-hmm. that the film needed some extra revenue to get across the line or whatever, because that was just blatant oh. advertising of Subway. Right. Surely. And they used that to help the movie, and but then re- wrote it into the story of of Happy Gilmore promoting Subway. Yeah. So <laughs> rather than it being a subtle product placement, I think they just went stuff it. Like let's let's make this like front and center in this. And yeah, like, and make it seem like ad and everything. in the movie that he's made it now as a golfer that he's now on advertising. He's now got sponsors. 
Absolutely. They would have paid for that. And that might have might, might have been you know, what they needed to pay maybe Carl Weathers to play that job, <laughs> to play that role. <laughs> Got him over the line. <laughs> Got him over the line. Yeah. Um, now, the next one, track number 11, was Pass the Duchy, performed by Musical Youth. Pass the Duchy, Pani Lep, Pansai. Pass the Duchy, Pani Lep, Pansai. Um, now, a duchy is actually a Jamaican cooking pot. Um, now oh, I thought it was a joint. Well, a duchy is a Jamaican cooking pot, and there's no reason to really pass that around, but it was an acceptable substitute for the original lyric, pass the kachi. And the kachi is, is Jamaican slang for a pot that holds marijuana. Um, but that wasn't right. the, the word that they, they used for it. Um and that's because Past the Kutchy was a song that did come out earlier in 1982 by the Mighty Diamonds, uh, but it was adapted by musical youth or at least their their singers. But the, the boys in the group were between the ages of 11 and 16 at the time, <laughs> um, and their manager suggested they record the song with with the modified lyric. Um, so that's why it changed <laughs> to, to, to Dutchy, <laughs> which is there, just there's a, so many a, a interesting cooking things pot. about these songs. Yeah. It takes me back to the James Bond special when you told me that that lady did couldn't sing "Kill," so she said "Kill." Yeah. No, what was you said "Kin" and K- "Kiss," something kin, else. K- "Kiss," "Kin," "Kiln." <laughs> yeah, "Kiln." That's kiln, right. And, or, kiln or, or "Kilt." I can't I think to that song anymore. "Kilt." I can't either. It came on the other day, and I and I can't hear that. And if you've heard, the, if you've listened to the James Bond special. You'll know what we're talking about. If you haven't, please do yourself a favor and go back and listen to the James Bond special. Um, but yeah, if if you ever hear "License to Kill," come on. The backing singers do it. They they say "kill," which I think they did on purpose to hold it together. But if you ever listen to <laughs> Gladys Knight's uh, <laughs> uh, singing, she certainly doesn't say it, and it is very obvious. You would just assume "License she kill. to Kit." Yeah, it's literally. Oh, it ve- it's very, very. It's like "kilt," "kiss," "kidden." Anything but. Um, so very, yeah, very interesting. But anyway, so that yeah, so past the past the kachi became the past the duchy, the, the Jamaican cooking pot. Um, and after it was using wedding singers, um, they the remaining band members didn't get their royalty, so they saw, sued their former law firm, um, which they claimed failed to to copyright the song. Um, but it was rejected because they actually didn't write the song <laughs> and weren't entitled to the publishing rights. But then they sued their old record company. Um, and then they reached a settlement for performance uh, royalties um, that they were denied. Now, there is a happy ending here, though, because the legal actions reunited band members Michael Grant and Dennis Seaton, who then began, began performing again, mostly on 80s nostalgia shows. <laughs> but through the legal proceedings was when they reunited and started to play music again. So a happy ending do, there. Do you, reckon, do you reckon during their discussions around whether they should sue and that whole process, they were ever passing the duchy on the left-hand side? I mean, they were talking about as a, as a group? Uh, possibly. Possibly. And it actually yeah, does. I think it would have been yeah. part of the meeting. Yeah, it, it might have been. And also, it's a bit of a faux pas uh, when it comes to, to dinner parties because you should always be passing something to the right-hand side. Right-hand right. side. So, yeah, yes. so that doesn't work with duchy being a cooking pot, but that's okay. That's a different matter. Uh, all right, number 12. <laughs> number 12 is actually some dialogue from the film, which you would have heard at the start of this episode, um, which was Julia asking Rabi if um, he'd written anything lately. 
Um, and he says, well, yes, I have been working on something, but he says <laughs> the problem is that, <laughs> well, that, that, well, that leads me into um, track 13, which uh, we know is the song that, that Robbie ends up singing to her called Somebody Kill Me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I hear he was listening to the, a lot of The Cure when he wrote it. Um, but as mentioned by, by Sandler in the film, he, he wrote the first part while he was with Linda and then the rest of it after they split. <laughs> so it does start very sweet about how much she means to him and that without her, he'll never be blue. Um, and then as you're about to hear, Things turn a little. You don't know how much I need you. Why you're near me, I don't feel blue. Oh, somebody kill me, please. Somebody kill me, please. So there you go. So um, I would love to, I'd love to actually hear that an artist do that nowadays. Usually there's a, an album about love a relationship or there's an album about breakup, but I'd love to have a, see an artist have a breakup mid album and just have things turn after maybe track five, just, it just goes down the same person that they loved. They now just absolutely <laughs> hate would be really interesting. Um, you know, normally the albums are intact. That's like right. In terms of their whole mental state is either yes. A or B. It's not no, both in the same I'd like album. To, I'd like to see an artist's a mental state deteriorate as the album goes on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we might write that ourselves. Um, you know, think one half Taylor Swift's Lover, the other half Jagged Little Pill, um, which features You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette which was written about Dave mm. Coulier, Uncle Joey from Full House, who worked with Bob Saget, God rest his soul, who played Danny Tanner. But the pilot episode of Full House had Danny Tanner played by John Posey, whose son Tyler Posey starred in a reboot of Teen Wolf, originally played by, and there it is. And there's and another one. And there you yep. go. There Back to the go. future there, reference there again. There it is again. And also, as we mentioned, Glenn Goulier drives a DeLorean, but that's okay. And the film is set in 1985. And it's set in 1985. Uh, so there's plenty what, of connections. What, um, where, where in the US is it, uh, is it set? Good question. Don't know. Don't know. New Jersey. Ah, yes. Yes, New Jersey. You know your American geography very well. I do. Tell me, you know, where is, where's, where's it close? Where is like New Jersey in, in reference to other places that I'd know? Uh, I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it's southwest of New York, I think. Okay. It's, it is. Right. It's well, south of, right there. Uh, let's hope listeners. I am. I'm, <laughs> American listeners, I, I'm pretty sure I am correct that it is south, at least south of, of New York. Um, but, yes, so that's where it is on, on the east, eastern side of the United States. And, I, um, and I'm, putting you, I'm putting you on the spot here, but is New Jersey a place where are you aware of like having lots of musical artists coming out of New Jersey? Is it, is it known uh, for that? I'm sure that there are plenty and people will um, get, you know, bag us on Twitter for, for not knowing this at soundtrack guys on Twitter, but no, I don't know any off the top of my head. I know Seattle is certainly a place with a lot of 
a lot of musical uh, acts that have come out of there. And I'm sure, I'm sure there are many yeah. uh, throughout the US, but New Jersey doesn't stand out as far as I know. But I'm sure we'll be, I'm sure we'll be corrected somewhere. Well, if there's any listeners out there that really know their American music history, yep. tell us the top three artists that came out of New Jersey. We'd love yeah. to know. For yes. some reason, I'm thinking Billy Joel came from New Jersey, but that's just a random guess. Okay. All right. Random guess. That's a random okay. guess? Don't know. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's throw that out to the listeners and just see what they think. See what they think. Um, all right. The last track on volume one, Mickey was Rapper's Delight. I said hip hop, I hip it to the hip it to the hip hip hop. You don't stop the rock to the bang bang boogie, say up jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie the beat. Now what you hear is not a test, I'm rapping to the beat. And need the groove and my friends are going to try to move your feet. See, I... Oh, yes. A medley, which was so, actually a combo of the Sugar Hill Gang uh, and Ellen Dow, who played... What was the character's name? Oh, I can't remember. I'm thinking... For some reason, I'm thinking Grandma Betty, but that's not right. <laughs> Grandma Betty. Uh, Rosie. That's it. Rosie. Rosie. Rosie, Rosie, Rosie. Um, so, yes, Rosie sings this at her anniversary party um and this was a medley Mo- most of the 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 film mainly had actors performing the song so a lot of the songs you hear on the soundtrack are the actors that have sung those songs in the film and then they put the original versions of the songs instead on the soundtrack uh except for yeah, rap- that's right. except for rappers to, well apart from somebody kill me and another one that i'm going to talk about a little bit later which we've touched on um rappers delight was one of the only ones that actually had ellen dow uh, on the soundtrack, but it was a bit of a um, a combination with the original. Yeah, I read that as well. So they had mm. Adam Sandler and her as the only actors to actually appear in, well, to, yes. to be heard in the soundtrack, yes. appear in the soundtrack. Yep. Um, but I would have loved to have heard Ladies' Night performed by John Lovitz. That was uh, <laughs> that would have been much better, I think, performed by him. I know the other version's good too, but it's too funny. And that, we for- that scene is hilarious. It is fantastic. And we forgot the great line that um, after Somebody Kill Me is finished by Adam Sandler, the great line that John Lovett says behind the curtain, which is, <laughs> go on, Mick. He's losing his mind and I'm reaping all the benefits. <laughs> and the curtain slowly closes <laughs> over his face. <laughs> um, all right. So that, that was volume one. That was the Wedding Singer soundtrack. If you look up the Wedding Singer soundtrack on Spotify, Apple Music, those are the songs that you'll find. There was a Volume 2 released as an album, uh, but I couldn't quite find Volume 2 as far as any streaming platforms. I don't know if you came across that. Um, no. So I think I, I think pretty much if you search Wedding Singer Soundtrack, um, it'll just be those 14 tracks that I went through then. Um, but there was a Volume 2, um, and there were songs that, that were in the film on that. I'll go quickly through them. I won't go through uh, too many of them. Um, because really there aren't, there aren't many that are, that are notable, um, but there certainly are a few, few bangers in there. So number one on the set on volume two was too shy by Kajagoogoo. Uh, mm. number, number two was it's all I can do performed by the cars. Number three was true performed by Spando Ballet.
Oh yeah, yeah. Which is a which is a classic, beautiful lady song. Um, number four was Space Age Lo- Space Age Love Song, performed by a flock of seagulls. Flock of seagulls, another fantastic eighties group, just encapsulates the eighties perfectly with their hairstyle. You know, the big remember Chandler and friends with the big flock of seagulls hair hairstyle that he's got when he <laughs> when they go into the prom. Um, number five, Private Idaho, performed by the B fifty twos. Number six, Money. That's what I want, performed by the Flying That's what Lizards. I want. And as you touched on at the start of the podcast, number seven, you spin me right round like a record, performed by Dead or Alive. Absolutely great. Yeah, great, so they needed song. they needed two volumes to get through just yep. the sheer quantity of music referenced in this film. Like exactly. Yeah. There must this this movie must have this is not something that I found in my research, but mm. it's gotta have the record for the most songs that like per minute <laughs> in the uh, <laughs> in the film. Well, um there are there were 14 tracks on the on the first on the first soundtrack the volume one i guess and the volume two had 12 songs on it so that's 26 and then there were about 10 to 15 songs that weren't on the soundtracks which i'm going to go through quickly um after this that's uh that that, that, that feature were, in the movie anyway. that were in, that were in the film so so yeah so we're, we're looking at about 40 40 plus songs that were actually through the film so yeah, yeah. and the movie only goes for an hour and a half so mm. there's a there's a song referenced like you know once every What's that? Once every two minutes? Mm. Mm-hmm. Approximately. That's yep. heaps. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. So you're right. We'll have to look. Our viewers might tell us that at Soundtrack, guys. <laughs> people, people are going to do this shit. Um, all right. Uh, where was I up to? Number, yeah, so um, number eight was Just Can't Get Enough, another great 80s track performed by Depeche Mode. I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough. Um, this is the one that you mentioned by the Jay Jeels band Love Stinks. <laughs> that was number nine on volume two. Number 10 was a fantastic montage. We love a montage. And all of these movies that are either, either made in the 80s or set in the 80s seem to have a fantastic montage. And this was a montage um, where they're tasting cake, they're dro- uh, trying on wedding dresses and um, testing the, the driving uh, of the limo around the cones. Those cones could have been wedding guests. They were just cones. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that that montage was to uh, You Make My Dreams by Hall & Oates. Another fantastic montage that we love in uh, modern cinema. Uh, <laughs> number 11, 
I like number 11 because uh, it's a great song, number one. It's, it's Holiday by Madonna, but in the film, it is absolutely fantastic. He has been, he's had his heart broken, Robbie. Linda has left him at the altar. And then he goes back to work shortly afterwards as a wedding singer. And he is singing Holiday by Madonna, uh, <laughs> watching all the people kissing and in loves in love and just sings a song on the verge of tears the entire time. <laughs> if we took a holiday. <laughs> but the best part is the that best he's part is when he says celebrate. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, he's, uh, yeah, at the end you hear him because they're talking about him and in the background you hear him go because he does start changing the lyrics, you know. He's like, everybody mm. spread the word. I live in my sister's basement. <laughs> <laughs> and then as they're talking about it, why did he come back to work so soon? You hear him in the background go, I'm a loser. And then he sits down and goes, celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're not going to go back and watch this, check your pulse. Honestly, this, this <laughs> you're not alive. You're not human. If it's you're the, not going it's, back. It's also the number one. It's the number one rated Adam Sandler movie in, on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, the really? Scores. So if you, so if you've which never watched is, Adam Sandler, I think it's sixty-seven out of hundred or something. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't crack the seven. <laughs> but if, if you haven't watched any Adam Sandler movies, I think this is the one you watch. And that's then, where you start. If you want, if you want to have another one, then maybe you know try Happy Gilmore and then leave it there. Or if you like your romantic comedies with Drew Barrymore, Fifty First Dates, another classic. Yeah, another, another great romantic one. comedy, quite, quite similar. Yeah. Um, but the best part as well is that his backing singer George the whole time just keeps that smile on, playing the piano. Just holiday, just keeps just every single, every single backing <laughs> line is perfect. Picks it up, mate. And Adam Sandler's having a breakdown on stage. Um, now, number 12, we've spoken about number 12, and I don't, I, I try, it's very hard for me generally in these podcasts not to tear up, but I'm trying very hard not to at the moment when I think about this next song, which we know is Grow Old With You by Adam Sandler. Oh, what a song. I mean, the guy, does this, does this, does this song itself do anything in terms of the charts? Like, it was a good song uh, in its own right. It was a great song in its own right. I think if you pulled out any guitar, this is something you could learn uh, and sing for me when we finally renew our vows on the ukulele, Mick, if you'd like to do that as yeah, well. Yes. A ukulele song. That's been something else I've been working on the last six months. You have, yeah. You've been smoking and you've been smoking meats and uh, playing the uke. Um, and playing uke, that's what I do. Playing, that's what you do. That's what you do. Um but yes, this is a, a. If you sang this song to any beautiful lady or man, whatever your whatever your flavor is, mm-hmm. um, if they don't fall in love with you, then something's seriously wrong because this is an absolute beautiful song. Mm, it's a gem. Good afternoon, everyone. We're flying at twenty six thousand feet, moving up to thirty thousand feet, and we got clear skies all the way to Las Vegas. And right now, we're bringing you some in-flight entertainment. One of our first-class passengers would like to sing you a song inspired by one of our coach passengers. And since we let our first-class passengers do pretty much whatever they want, here he is. I wanna make you smile, never yourself, carry you around when your arthritis is bad. All I wanna do is grow. Tummy aches, build you a fire 
it gives me tears every time. And Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler, great scene at the end. Great scene. Glenn gets up. Sorry, sir, I've got to serve the drinks. Um, so <laughs> pushes him out of the way. Then our big old friend um, defends Billy Idol and it's just they end up pushing him in the bathroom and Adam can sit, finish his song and uh, and they live happily ever after. It's, yeah, like it, it, the film's just got a, such a good feel all the way through it. Like mm. it's got, yes, you know, um, it is funny. It's Adam Sandler. There's some good lines in there. Yeah. Um, but you, you're still going to get a good romantic mm. romantic movie out of this. It's the sort of movie you can take your partner to and all that sort of stuff to. Absolutely. Don't, don't have to think too much. Sing some 80s tunes. Have a bit of a love story, some silliness, and just just enjoy your Friday, mm. your Saturday, your Sunday evening, or any evening. Um, all right. Now, there were some songs that appeared, or renditions, so maybe it was people singing them in the movie, um, that didn't actually yeah. appear on the soundtrack album. So, I'll quickly go through them. Some absolute classics in here. I'll, I'll throw a bit of information about some of them, but not really. Um, but, yeah, we've got De Commissar, De Commissar, performed by After the Fire, 99 Luftballon, 99 Luftballon uh, yeah. by Nina, uh, Till There Was You, performed by Ellen Dow, written by Meredith Wilson, mm-hmm. which I think is the one you were talking about um, when he's teaching her singing uh, and on the piano. Yeah. Don't Stop Believing by Journey which was actually played by the string group at the wedding. That's right. When it's he, at the wedding, when he the, the wedding that, that doesn't, yeah, the one yeah. that doesn't quite go ahead, but that's I, the string quartet are playing it in the background. The string quartet are playing Don't Stop Believing, and she says, I've heard from Linda. Oh, is she everything all right? Yeah, she's fine, but she left a note <laughs> that said she's not going to be making it today. <laughs> um, oh, God. Oh, I know. Uh, Boys Don't Cry, performed by The Cure. All Night Long, All Night, performed by Lionel Richie. Fun fact, if you listen to All Night Long and the backing vocals go, All Night, All Night, that's Richard Marks in the background. Wow, Richard Marks. Yes, started his career as a backing singer and Lionel Richie heard him and he sent a tape to him and Lionel Richie brought him in under his wing and got him to sing backing vocals for some big artists and then his career was born from there. So there you go. Um, So we can thank Lionel Richie for for Richard Marx's career. Absolutely. Yep, we can. The next one, uh, that's all performed by Adam Sandler. Ladies' Night, originally performed by Cool and the Gang, as you said, performed by John Lovitz. Um, Do You Believe in Love, performed by Huey Lewis and the News, another connection. Oh, yep. Another connection. Absolutely. There's another back um, the future connection. Yeah. For those people that haven't listened to the podcast, make sure you go back and listen to every episode. Um, but what Michael and I usually do uh, on these episodes is try and find a connection or, well, we don't actually try and find a lot of the time it organically. It just happens. It happens, which, which confirms our belief that back to the future is the center. The center of, of the, the cinematic, cinematic universe. universe. Um, okay, the next, we're big fans, by the way. You didn't know, check out episode one of Soundtrack. Uh, Do You Believe in Love? I just said that. My fault. Sorry. <laughs> Jam on it by New We do. We do believe we it. We do. I do believe it. Yes. Jam on it by New Clues. New Clues. I don't know. Uh, the Miami Vice theme is also in the film. Uh, Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen. Jeez, oh, um, how did these not make the other soundtracks? Well, these are all classics. Absolutely. Uh, the Goofball Brothers Show, written and performed by Sorcerer. Don't know what that is. That's probably being very obscure now. Uh, and the last one that didn't make its way on the soundtrack but was in the film was Wake Me Up Before You Go Go by Wham. 
So all of these songs featured in the film, they would have spent yes. more money on the music than mm-hmm. probably the actors in the movie. Like, Yeah. It's a lot of copyright huge stuff. investment. Yeah. yeah, all of those were in the film, either renditions, people singing them, or, you know, probably in the background might have been a few seconds here and there. But, um, yes, a, a, quite a long list of, of songs that didn't make it on the soundtrack, soundtracks, considering that there were two volumes of the soundtrack. So, um, so yes, very, very difficult, I guess, to come put together a soundtrack for a movie such as this. And one thing that'll spin you round or spin you out, I should say, spin me spin right you round. round, like a round, like yep. a record. Sure. Yep. Yep. So this film was, was made in 1998 or released in 1998 mm. in reference to the eighties. So 1985 was the year it was set yep. 13 years before. You know, so it's going back 13 years. Yep. And now it's been, since this movie came out, how many years? 24. 24 years. <laughs> so for someone, for someone like for people our age, that is yes. a spin out because when this movie came out, the 80s felt like it was ages ago. Had finished so long ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's been 24 years since this movie <laughs> came out. So if there was a movie about the 90s, it's so far back versus what this one was doing so well, that, that even for if, me when i looked at those numbers it was a spin out even if there was a movie made in the the noughties in the first decade of the of the new millennium that would be a, a long time ago now that'd be the same difference as as this movie to the 80s yeah <laughs> crazy so like it's yeah so it's the equivalent of setting a movie in yeah the noughties yeah like to that just yeah mm. absolutely mm. um wow we're yeah. getting old. We're getting old. So it makes you feel old. We are getting old. But you know what's not getting old? The songs on this soundtrack and this movie in general, Mick. And it's been an absolute pleasure to go through it with you as usual. Absolutely. So if this doesn't get your juices flowing, get you watching the movie or going back and listening to the soundtrack, then nothing will. Good luck on your adventure. <laughs> you're, a, you're a lost cause. <laughs> you're a lost cause. Just stick to soundtrack uh, say, episodes. Check, check your pulse. Um, but... <laughs> You know, it's been a pleasure being back and, and talking about it. Yep. Um, hope you hope you check out. At the very least, you you jump on Spotify and mm. look at the Wedding Singer album and and enjoy those songs again. And if it's you know, say you're an up and comer and you know you 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 didn't enjoy this music in the '90s or the '80s like us, and you're listening to it for the first time, what a privilege! Absolutely, listening to some great music again. So absolutely, hope you enjoy it. Absolutely. And we have enjoyed this and we enjoy you and we love you listening. And thank you again for listening to Mick and Liam on another episode of Soundtrack. Soundtrack. Yeah. So let me do the dishes in our kitchen sink. Put you to bed when you've had too much to 